And God wants to bring you into freedom as you worship him. Because the reality is, whether we worship God or not, here's the reality, because God created us with a desire for him, you're going to fill it with something. And whatever you fill it with, you're going to become. So you become what you worship. You become what you worship. What's got the affection of your heart? That's what you're going to become. That's the kind of person that you'll become. Because as Bob Dylan once said, or sung brilliantly, didn't he? We're all going to serve somebody. We're all going to worship something or someone. And you'll become what you worship. And so that's why, trying to tie all this together, Jesus said, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. Do you notice that God doesn't want worship? God wants worshippers. It's a difference, isn't there? God doesn't want more worship albums, first and foremost. God wants hearts. God wants worshippers. God wants people who will come to him in spirit and in truth, honestly. Pouring out the longing of your heart, bringing everything before him. God wants worshippers because when he's got worshippers, he's got the ones that he made in his image, you're going to be changed and transformed into his image. And they're going to be free. And when they get free, it looks like they're free. Now I'm not saying, I don't want to make this just about external um, forms of worship. But there is something about how we worship with all of our bodies that does indicate what's going on in our hearts. Now, that's not to say that you're not a free person if you don't like express your worship to God. I'm not saying that, okay, as a general rule. But often, what, and how we do and how free we are in our bodies, because we weren't created as a thinking things. God knew what he was doing when he made us body, soul, and spirit. When he made us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He made us to like give all of who we were to him. And so when we're free inside our hearts, we're uninhibited in spirit and in truth to worship him. And so I'm going to finish just by running through these words really quickly. And so when it came to the Bible, they talked about worship in different ways. And here's some of the words that God gave us in the Bible. Often it talks about this word. It's the Hebrew word barak, which means to bow down or to give reverence to God. So it should be really normal for us during worship to to come into this place, not just in church, but at home. That should be a normal posture. In fact, sometimes when we're worshiping and become aware of the glory of God, we should almost feel like we're bending in our spirits because what we're doing is we're acknowledging that He is above and beyond all. He is the source of all goodness. Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. That's that word there, Barak. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. That's that word again. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. So when we come to worship, we can have that posture of Barak. <laughs> we can have a, a posture of Yada. Don't worry, you don't have to remember these all off by heart or anything, right? These are just Hebrew words that are used to describe worship. Because sometimes you just say, come worship, and it just all feels a bit bland. Here's some of the depth of what they were talking about. To throw up a hand or to revere in worship with extended hands. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to him with an instrument of strings. Therefore I will give thanks to you, Psalm 18. This is this word. It should be natural for us to go, God, you're, just to go like that. That can become natural. And if the Spirit of the Lord comes on you to do that, just go with it. Because something will open up in your heart. You'll experience more of his freedom. And a funny one. Tauda. This type of worship 
again, is an extension of the hand and adoration, but it's more about agreeing with God about some stuff before you see it. Have you ever had to offer a sacrifice of praise? The Bible talks about, throughout the Psalms, I'll not read all the references I have, but if you want them, you can come and get them. Often the Bible talks about giving a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes we have to thank God for something that we don't yet see. We give thanks to God. We worship Him because we realize that His character is over and above our circumstances. And that worship of God doesn't depend on our circumstances. It depends on His character. That's toda praise. Shabak, those of you Pentecostals who've been around for a day, I've heard about a good old Shabak now and again, which is a shout to the Lord. Yeah, we were brought up in some circles and every now and again the preachers used to say, right, let's raise up a Shabak to the Lord, which was usually, you know, followed by like a chauffeur or something being blown. Anyway, it's just them being haunted here by my youth, right? But Shabak is like a shout out to the Lord. Like we sung this morning, shout it out and lift up his name. We shout out to the Lord. Yeah, of his goodness, all that he's done. It implies a, a testimony of praise. There's a passion in our hearts that gets ignited when we recognize who God is and what he's done. And then there's this one, halal, which means to praise or to make a show or rave about, right? Rave about the Lord, yeah? To glory or boast in, I love that phrase there, to be clamorously foolish about your adoration. That's where we get the word hallelujah from. Sometimes we just can't help ourselves. We just want to rave about the Lord when the Spirit of the Lord hits and ignites our hearts. It's like, I just want to rave, be clamorously foolish about Him. Then there's, there's this one, shaka, which is to depress or prostrate in homage or loyalty to God. Sometimes we become aware of His holiness. Psalm 29 verse 2, give unto the Lord the glorious due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. <laughs> when you come into that point where there's like a sila moment and his presence is here sometimes the only appropriate response to the holiness of god is just to lay down flat in your face like people thousands of years did all this stuff you know sometimes we can think in our day you know we're really modern and hip and we've got all these cool albums and you know we're you know but the reality is often we're standing with our hands in our pockets during worship the reality is, if we want to get a bit more radical and edgy and be true to the biblical kind of form of worship, all of these postures become a normal part of our worship. And then finally, tequila, not to be confused with tequila, is to sing halal, to sing a new song, a hymn of praise unto God. Like it's a spontaneous worship. Singing in the spirit. This is the kind of praise that the Bible talks about. The Lord comes and inhabits the praises of his people. Many will see it and fear. He has put a new song in my mouth. Psalm 40. Tehillah. When you're driving the car and just find yourself singing. When you're lying in bed and you wake up in the morning, the first thing you want to do is just, when you're in the shower, and you're just, you're just worshiping Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Go with it. Go with it. Don't worry about people listening. All right? Zamar, this is the final Hebrew one. This is to play with our instruments in a way that shifts atmospheres because the anointing of God comes. That's why we, we love to have instruments and things because not just somebody that sings a few songs and plays a few tunes, but people that, like David, when Saul had a distressed spirit, that the Holy Spirit would just 
come and shift the whole atmosphere. Those are our Hebrew words of worship. And just I'll give you one Greek one, which is the one that's used mostly in the New Testament. Is this word proskuneo. It's used 60 times in the New Testament. And it's the idea, of, again, of paying homage to. It's an intimate one where we lay down our lives in token of reverence and awe of Jesus. And we want to sit at his feet and we want to worship him and give him all the praise and glory that he is due. We're set free to worship. We're set free to worship. When we worship, we'll be set free. They both go together. We're set free to worship. And when we worship, when we worship, we'll be set free. And that's the kind of people that we want to be. Because the reality is, when that freedom comes, it shifts the atmosphere for everyone else around. God knew if he could get this children of Israel worshiping him, that that was going to be the key to how they would be a light to the nations. And so our worship actually becomes our warfare. Because there's nothing that shifts the atmosphere in towns or cities when the people of God say, come and have your way. We worship you. We bow down before you. We get off the thrones of our own heart. So Lord Jesus, you can be on your throne, both in this church and in this whole area. And so come and have your way. Yeah, And that's what God is calling us to do. That's the kind of people that God is calling us to become. A people that prioritize his presence, that are devoted to the Lord in worship. And in doing that, we get set free. It's what we were born to do. It's what you were born to do.